MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. Okay, so Lombardi Line, as we say hi on a Thursday, I'm Patrick Maher, live from the VEASAN studios here at the South Point. Michael Lombardi hanging out in Jersey. We've got Amal Shaw coming up in just a little bit. We'll have our buddy Josh Applebaum stop by. Just wanted to bring this up to you quickly here, Michael. ACC play tonight. The ACC is as wide open as it's been in a decade. I mean, the Coastal, it's disgusting. So Miami still has some hope as they open ACC play. They host Virginia. Give you a quick idea of where the number Open three and a half. It's up to five and a half. So Miami getting bet here. The total is 62. No surprise there because these two defenses stink. The one thing we do have, Brennan Armstrong, the quarterback for Ginny, that's a great pass attack against a Miami defense. When I watched Miami play Michigan State specifically, because who's watching them play Central Connecticut State except Chris the Bear Felica because he went there. But when I watched him play Michigan State, the one thing that stood out to me is that Miami can't tackle. And that's an issue. Yeah, my- you know, well, that's an issue. Pass defense. They're past de- their relative pass defense is 67th in the country. I mean, they're just passing defense is 99th in the country. I mean, they're just not good in the back end. And this is a three game stretch for Miami. The Bears going to have to really see, you know, this is going to determine the Bears life here. He's got Virginia. Then he goes to NC, North Carolina. Then he comes back and plays state. I mean, and then he's got Pitt and Georgia Tech. I, you know, this is the Manny Diaz regime will be defined by the next five games. And he's got to find a way to get this offense to where it's it's not just in the 60th best offense. I mean, they average 31 points a game, but 
you know, that number is is increased by the 69 they scored against that right. that powerful Central Connecticut squad. <laughs> Where is Central Connecticut State? I'm guessing in the middle of the state, but I somewhere frankly, in the middle yeah. of the state. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, <laughs> the just, one thing about Connecticut, I don't know where anything is, and there's always traffic. Like there, that's the two common denominators about Connecticut. Like I don't know where everything is, you know, but there's always traffic. Connecticut's Hartford, a state where Connecticut's like, wait, that's a state? Yes, it's a state. It's one of the original yeah, thirteen I'm, colonies as well, I believe. I love the history here. I mean, this is why Dominic <laughs> listens to the show. He learns a lot about history. I might have made that up. Uh, but you're right. <laughs> hey, by the way, the difference maker is De'Ara King. If he plays tonight, which he didn't against the vaunted Central Connecticut State team, it was Tyler Van Dyke and Jake Garcia. They both played very well, which they should. But if De'Ara King plays tonight, it's a complete difference maker. Virginia's defense isn't very good either. No, but that, and that's usually, I mean, that's usually where Virginia gains their strength. They're giving up 27 and a half points a game. You know, their defense is ranked in the conference. They're ranked 12th, you know, in the nation, they're ranked 86th. I mean, this is not Bronco Mendenhall type of team defensively, you know, and, and look, they got the doors blown off them the last two weeks. I mean, North Carolina took them to the woodshed and then Wake Forest, who's a really good team. I mean, Wake Forest is Wake Forest and NC state are 23rd and 24th ranked in the country. It is fascinating. What's happening right now in the ACC. Clemson's done. So the ACC completely wide open. Virginia two and six ATS their last eight on the road as a dog. They, one thing I do know is we take a look at, at, at Thursday night football tonight. That total is sixty two. It could be in danger. I mean, these two offenses are going to light it up against these. Defenses. Go, I, I would think so, right? I think the overs in play here, don't you? I mean, like these defenses are not good enough. Well, you just, just said not it. Good enough. You just said it. They, Miami's 92nd in the country in passing yards allowed. They're 83rd in scoring defense. And guess what? Virginia's worse. So yeah. where's the stop? Virginia's 115th in stopping the run. So yeah, it, it, uh, like they're, I mean, it's bad. Th- this should be one that if, you know, if you're Miami, you can, you, you can find a way to get control of this game with your offense. You should win this thing. The question I have for you about the program and, Frank, I was just talking to Vinny about we got a good Saturday coming up here. We'll be here on Saturday, of course. Uh, you've got Cincinnati. With Carl Johnson, I, I think you need to lead with that. We will have Carl Johnson on who Saturday. Is a I mean, that's budding who's legends. a mega star. He's a mega star within the whole. F- so we just need to let people know that we'll have him on. Yep, with the goblet, Carl Johnson mm-hmm. from the Beau Rivage down in Biloxi is going to join, and he's quickly taking over the stage. He and Stormy are going to be hosting a show together. You can guarantee you that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Question for you about Miami. So they botched the Diaz isn't going to last. And Derek King, frankly, saved his job when he got Derek King to transfer from Houston. That was a big pick me up for Diaz. Um, but in every way, they're not disciplined. Fundamentally, they're not very good. So Diaz isn't a head coach. Is Miami a desirable destination for a head coach right now? I, I think it's, it's a remember when school. And, you know, they don't have great facilities. They really don't. You know, they get no support from their, their school. I mean, you, you see the games there. There's eight people at the games. It's like Temple. No one goes. Yeah. There's no support at the school. It's so hard. They play great They play great teams, but there's no support. There's no seems to be like there's no buy-in. Like when Jimmy was there or Dennis Erickson were there, they had that, you know, Schnellenberger started the program. But for some reason, there's no buy-in. I think it can be because here's why. And every coach in the country is going to want the job if Manny gets fired because you could just literally walk out the building of the football facility and find 25 really good college prospects that you can get on campus. 
And also, when you get you go to Hard Rock, you got to go so far off campus. Part of the yeah. experience of being at Miami's a small school, but part of the is kind of creating that hub where the student body's into it. You got to drive all the way to Hard Rock to go watch the game. Nobody's yeah. interested. And nobody's there. Not only is nobody, nobody's there, nobody comes. The students can't even get there. Glad you asked. It's going to be 84, partly cloudy. It's going to be humid tonight, but... Of course it's humid. I mean, it's as Bill Berman would say, it's South Florida. It's always humid. I mean, come on. Also, he had, he had something very profound, Bill Berman, when he talked about Florida rain as well, I believe. Yeah, it's developed, yeah I mean, he believes that every day there's 4 o'clock rain. Don't get surprised if it rains at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. You just have to buy into that. <laughs> you have to accept it, Patrick. He's I, not I, wrong. He's taught me that. Yeah, no, he's taught me that. So you... Right now, it's a little bit of a remember when situation. Uh, what we do know is the next coach in Miami, What you kind of land in a soft spot where I don't know if there's a ton of pressure based on the direction of the program. I, I don't know if they'll make a change. I really don't. I have some friends that work there, and, and I think that, you know, I think they would be better off trying to put money into rebuilding the program and getting the facilities up to the level they need to be instead of just keep paying off coaches. Right. Yeah. And Diaz, the one thing he's wasn't his dad, the mayor of Miami. I mean, he has entrenched roots down in Southern Florida as far as, yeah. Recruiting. I mean, they would be better off. They would be, be instead of spending 10 million to buy out the coach and then another 18 million to bring a new coach in. Wouldn't they be better off taking that 10 million and putting it into the facility? They they've never had a problem with buying off a coach, but they've had a problem with spending money on their program, like real money. And that's what they need to do. Well, I mean, that's the same thing Florida state needs to do. Florida state needs to stop firing coaches and put some money back in their program. What's fascinating is if you think about it, Miami, not only did they have a 30 for 30, they had a two part 30 for 30 on the U and look how far we've come or haven't. Yeah. I mean, well, and it can come back again because you're in such a fertile recruiting area. It's so good. You can come back to it again. You just got to get the right players. You know, I thought with Derek King this year, he would be much better. I thought it would be, you know, an improved. I didn't think he would struggle to beat app state. I thought he could beat Michigan state. You know, Alabama is a hard game. The Michigan State one. Uh, look, this, the 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 fighting Spartans are four zero. I mean, give them credit. Yeah, they're seventeenth in the country. Who knew? Who thought <laughs> both, that? Both Michigan schools ranked has the state of Michigan going nuts. So- uh, how about you know we we keep talking about? I'm going to look today. But why does uh, explain this? I asked this question the other day, and you, I couldn't get it answered. So I'll ask you. Why is why is Wisconsin favored again this week? Wisconsin gets so much respect. It's unbelievable. Wisconsin was, they closed six and a half against Notre Dame. And it really wasn't close as you know, and we'll take a look at the number right now as we have it on our board. Uh, Wisconsin is laying a point and a half at home. Yeah. As they head like, back explain to, to me why that is. I don't I mean, have an answer. I don't have I an mean, answer. I mean, I'm not saying Michigan's great, nor am I saying I want to take Michigan. I'm not saying either of that, but like what has Wisconsin done offensively? That makes anybody think that could make anyone think that they're that they're uh, that they should be a favorite in any game. They they don't have a quarterback, and it's the inverse now. Michigan's got the run game. Wisconsin doesn't have the big back like they're used to having. Michigan's a better football team, and this is a huge statement game for Harbaugh. This is maybe- I mean, Michigan averages averages nineteen points a game. They give up twenty one. They're not even good on defenses anymore. They're eleventh in the conference on defense. You mean Wisconsin, I mean, so not Michigan, right? Wisconsin, yeah. yeah. Yep. I mean, Michigan has the 16th best offense in all of football. 
right? But here's where Michigan's really improved. They're fourth best defense in the nation. Now, I got it. I got it. They played Western Michigan, but Western Michigan goes in and beats Pitt, right? They played Washington, who was supposed to be really good. They played Northern Illinois, but they've had trouble with some of these down-the-road teams. You know, they're the second-best defense in the conference, and they are a point dog to, to Michigan, I mean, to Wisconsin. I don't understand but, but where did it makes the six and a half add up to you. Did them laying six and no, a half? No, it didn't add up right. at all. That's the point. I thought Notre Dame should have been favored in that game. I think I think part of this is, and we would discuss it in a ton on Saturday. I think a part of it is Michigan struggling. They didn't run the ball as well. But guess what? Chiano's a hell of a coach. He's done a great job at yeah. Rutgers. They beat Rutgers twenty to thirteen. I think perceptively coming off that win, it dinged them a little bit. But Rutgers is just better. Yep. You know, no doubt. And so here comes Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Also, you got to think of a letdown. I understand it's Michigan, Wisconsin. Everything went into that game. A dog who we were just talking about earlier. That was at soldier field. He said it was all Wisconsin fans. That meant a ton to them playing Notre Dame. They come off and get their asses whooped. They got, it wasn't even close. I mean, you know, like they, they couldn't move the Notre Dame had complete control of that game. And all of a sudden it became 40. I mean, I I don't don't have an answer. I don't have an answer for them. And, and let me say this to you. All right, let me ask you this question. I know we got to go. What would the line be if Michigan played Notre Dame? Great question. You know who has the answer? Michigan would be favored. Yeah, Michigan uh, would be favored, right? Amal, Amal Shaw. There we go. College there, football. Now we have our answer. But, Let's but, go back but, to but, but here's your answer. Why is Wisconsin laying a point and a half? I have no freaking clue. That's why I'm going to bet Michigan. Although it's, it's, it's almost, it's jumping out at you. It's a little scary. When we come back, yeah, Amal right. Shaw, odds on is going to join us right here on the Lombardi line. We'll ask him about this Michigan, Wisconsin number and also what the number would be Michigan, Notre Dame. We come back. MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, 
is true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Listening to the Lombardi Line on VSEN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, before you make your next bet, of course, be sure to go to vsen.com. Check out the current betting splits data we've got there for you. This is a feature you've been asking for, and we've got it. It's really efficient as well. It gives you insights on where the money and bets are moving for every game. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. Betting splits. Or just another way VEASAN is here to help you make money, become a smarter, better. Start your next sports bet. And you can start with a free trial right now at VEASAN.com. Okay, Michael Lombardi. I'm Patrick Maher. Odds on, of course, uh, Amal Shaw and Mike Palm. Amal Shaw. There he is. My gosh, look at him. I'd like to ask Amal a question to start off with. Amal, two-part question. Welcome to the show, and thanks for joining us. Getting into work early. We appreciate you. Two-part question. Why is Wisconsin favored against Michigan, A? And B, if Michigan were to play Notre Dame, what would the line be? It's a great question, Michael. Mike and I were talking about that yesterday. We wouldn't see a scenario where Michigan would be a prohibitive favorite, I mean, underdog against Notre Dame, and I'm surprised to see that the Wisconsin Badgers are a bit of a favorite here. But I think you have to give a lot of credence for being at home. The other thing is I would point to when you look at it, who has Michigan really beaten? Rutgers, Washington, the Huskies have gotten off to a rough start so far. Barely escaped in overtime as they blew a lead late in uh, Pac-12 after dark up in Seattle against Cal. 
So I'm not somewhat surprised. Remember, Wisconsin has done well against Jim Harbaugh and this team traditionally. I just think going on the road to Camp Randall, to me, Camp Randall would be probably one of the 10 toughest uh, college football stadiums to play in on the road. I think that's why you're seeing this one. But with all that being said, Michael, I think the Badgers, despite Graham Mertz holding this team back, I think Jim Leonard and company find a way because Cade McNamara has not been particularly effective. And I'm sure in some point in time during my little rant here, I've offended Patrick Maher, Mr. Michigander himself. I'm, uh, no, I, no, I, I, I he doesn't welcome. take it personally. No, well, one thing I personally. will tell this will get my, Michael even more fired up. Amal. So game open Wisconsin one circus got him two and a half. Michael, not only is Wisconsin a favorite, they're getting bet up to two and a half at circa. Yeah. I mean, to me, I, 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 I this would be a stay away for me. Cause I don't see it and I'm missing something, but one thing I have noticed them all. And I, I like your opinion on this, these lines like last week, Washington, that line moved from nine uh, against Buffalo, moved from nine to seven and a half. That was the the nine was the right number. It was worth more than that. This week we're seeing it with New Orleans. I think in the Giants, the lines moving. Like are, are are those line movements? Are we sure they're right? No, that's Michael. You bring up an excellent point. And I think one of the things people fall into a fallacy or a trap of is, oh, there's a line move X way or Y way. We got to follow it. No, why? By the way, contrary to what many times people lead you to believe, whether it's on our network or elsewhere, nobody's undefeated doing this. People lose games, and I don't know why, to me, why people just blindly follow a move. If you like the game, follow it. If you don't, don't necessarily jump on it. And so many times, though, like the number from nine to seven and a half, the eight can be critical in the NFL because of missed extra points along the way, but probably not as significant as other numbers. And I think sometimes this stuff is overblown. So many times you see a move one way. Uh, That's why, for me, I don't pay as much attention to it. Uh, it's not as important to me. I know for some people it's a huge factor in how they determine if they're going to bet a side or a game. Uh, but the big thing for me is I, I'm, I look at the matchups for myself personally. Uh, but again, a lot of people give a lot of credence to that. I think all three of us can agree without being disrespectful to a college kid. Graham Mertz is terrible. So if you are going to back yeah. Wisconsin, <laughs> let's be fair. I, if, I mean, he risk. is, it's rough watching this dude throw the football. Do it at your own I, risk. All right. My next question for them all. <laughs> Do you have the guts to take Cincinnati and Survivor tonight? I don't have the guts. It's already a done deal. Ooh, bad boy. Just stare into the camera. Just don't, don't even say anything. Just stare right into the camera. I knew done he deal. did it. I knew he did it. Go ahead, Mike. Well, Go ahead, Michael. Michael. Couple factors. And by the way, I love the fact that you knew that. That was very impressive because the Buffalo Bills are sitting there as probably the easiest carrot, low hanging fruit you're going to arguably see all season. Actually, Michael, we had your guy, Vic Fangio, gave us the easiest win will ever have in Survivor with the Denver Broncos. First drive, it was over. My, Patrick, I always know a game is over when I'm watching it on, on a secondary TV or a third TV, and I'm like not really paying attention, have no stress on a game. That thing was done and dusted early on. And this one, Michael, I think it's a little bit riskier with the Bengals, but I still think short week, quick turnaround. Trevor Lawrence deciding to throw uh, you know, on his off his back foot bodes well for the Bengals here. And Cincinnati's off to a fast start. Uh, start. The only problem I've had with them is so far Zach Taylor's decision-making going forward on fourth and one in his own 29-yard line with a 14-point lead in the third quarter. If he can avert those types of decisions, I think the Bengals have a chance to get to three and one. But this is a little bit trickier. I think the safer play is Buffalo, but in the early parts of the season, I'm not a guy who's going to play it safe. Well, um, but Buffalo, like, why wouldn't you take Buffalo? Why wouldn't you take the easy one? Do you have Buffalo because you're going to play them on Thanksgiving? No, because the Buffalo Bills still host the New York Jets. (laughs) I got that. No, I got that. I can understand that. I, as Al Davis would say, I understand. By the you way, know, I mean, I yeah, get that. He, he, Michael knows you're betting the Bengals tonight because 
Look over your shoulder. He's stalking you. He'll find you. <laughs> hey, can I ask you a question, Amal? Just to, this is just esoteric. What are you angry about? What frustrates you right now? <laughs> As of right now? Yes. What's well, today? What woke up, nothing. What I, woke I, up I pissing you off? Another, well, you know, Michael, um, Michael, uh, Michael, uh, sorry, Mike Palm always criticizes Dan Mullen. And I got to tell you, Michael, I think Dan Mullen is one of the best schemers offensively in college football. He's unbelievable. May not be the best recruiter, may not be the more, uh, the warmest guy in terms of recruiting and bringing players in, but from an offensive schematic perspective, to borrow a line from Charlie Weiss, schematic advantage, there is a schematic advantage on offense in Gainesville. And Mike well, always I, sits know, there I have, and, and criticizes I Mullen. have somebody next to me in the office here who thinks Dan Mullen's not a very good coach either. So maybe they could have a meeting over that and discuss it. Uh, you know, look, I think Mullen, I, I don't really know. I haven't studied Mullen enough to know really if he's a great coach. Like I've watched Jimbo Fisher enough to know that you guys can all buy the media, which Jimbo, Jimbo, Jimbo today, Jimbo can do Jim, Jimbo ain't got nothing in that. And Jimbo's an unmade bed. So you can go bet Jimbo all you want, but I that one I'm on. I I got that one. I'll I'll study Mullen. I'll get back to you. What, on that. what is brilliant about Amal Shaw is you say what's frustrating you today, and he goes, I'll tell you what's frustrating me: the lack of respect given to Dan Mullen in his offensive <laughs> schemes. That is that is really a weird place well, to let's go. Shift into week four. Where are you going, Amal? What what do you like on this board this week in week four? Well, you know, first of all, I'd have to start in the college ranks uh, before we even get to the NFL, and that would be down in Georgia with Arkansas, the Razorbacks catching 18 and a half. Michael, I think this number is out of whack. Sam Pittman's done a tremendous job. We saw it the first time around against Mississippi State last year. Absolutely just disintegrated Mike Leach's offense, something that Bo Pelini didn't have a clue on how to do, and that's why he's no longer in Baton Rouge. But we saw Pittman do that. I like the way this team is playing. I think this is a few too many points. Look. I think Georgia's a very good football team. I picked them to win the SEC. However, I don't think they're as good as everybody else thinks they are because of the win over Clemson. Remember, guys, Clemson has scored seven points in the second quarter so far this year. They have really struggled on offense. And think about this. Outside of the game against South Carolina State, they have not scored more than 14 points in a game, not including overtime. So they continue to struggle. So I like Arkansas in terms of the collegiate ranks. In terms of the NFL, one of the plays that I like, and I know everyone's talking about the Patriots and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's why I thought, Michael, you had the hoodie on today in honor of your man, Bill uh, Belichick. But don't forget, Kansas City and Andy Reid go back to the link in Philadelphia where he was a coach for a long, long time, gets fired there. I think his team needing this game and knowing what this means to him, I expect to see an a, a grade-A effort out of the Kansas City Chiefs. I do, too. I do, too. And, and everybody says, well, the Eagles can run the ball on the, on, the, on the Chiefs. The Eagles hate running the ball. They hate running the ball. I mean, Miles Garrett, Miles Sanders has 30 attempts. That's 10 a game. He averages over five yards. But the Eagles analytical department, who basically controls what they do on the field, make no, now I'm going to repeat that. The Eagles analytical department controls what they do on the field. It's not Seriani. It's their, they, they want to throw the ball. They want to be an 11 well, personnel. Of, they want to throw the ball. Think about this. When was the last time you saw a game with an, two NFL running backs, Kenneth Gainwell, Gainwell and, of course, uh, Miles Sanders, had three combined rushes? But that's what they wanted. You know, you're either coaching it or allowing it to happen, and they're coaching it. They don't want to run the ball. They, I put in my notes last week, the Eagles will throw the ball way more against Dallas because they ran it too much against it. They only had 12 completions against the 49ers. They felt like they ran it too much because, because Hertz was running. Because remember this, Hertz is a single-wing quarterback. 
He is a single-wing quarterback. He's playing in a pro offense, but he's a single-wing quarterback. Are you playing Virginia-Miami tonight, Amal? Yeah, I took a small play on the U. I'm not a big Manny Diaz guy. I said Manny Diaz was the equivalent of Willie Taggart being hired at Free Shoes U in Florida State. Uh, to me, Manny Diaz is going to be gone at the end of the year. My concern is, are the guys in Miami and Coral Gables ready to go out in South Beach after the game? Or are they actually going to concentrate on beating this horrendous Bronco Mendenhall defense that can't stop anybody? Wake Forest and Sam Hartman move the ball up and down the field on them. And by the way, guys, how good has Wake looked so far this year? Dave Clawson's done a tremendous yeah. job. Clawson's a great And their best yeah. running back's up in Michigan State. Yeah, their best Walker. running back is... <laughs> yes. yep. I, by, by the way, the last time Michigan State had this much speed at running back, it, it, nobody even played running back there. I mean, think about this. You always have plotters at Michigan State. They actually have a guy with speed over there. Hey, can you give us a 15-second review of David Copperfield on the way out? <laughs> Pretty good. Not worth the price unless you can snag a couple of free tickets. But pretty solid. I mean, you know, that guy's got a lot of money to pay to some ex-girlfriends along the way. So I think that's why it's so expensive. <laughs> that's sunshine. Amal Shaw. Nice job. Odds on. Nice coming job, up next Amal. with Amal and Mike. Thank you, Amal. Appreciate you, Go Bengals, Amal. Go Bengals. Yes, sir. Thank you. Go Bengals. More with Amal and Mike coming up on Odds On. Next, Josh Applebaum joins us here on the Lombardi Line. to the Lombardi line on VSEN featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, Point Spread Weekly, it's out now every Wednesday here at VSEN. We break down Tom Brady's return to New England. Of course, Matt Eumann's focus is on Lane Kiffin's showdown with Nick Saban. Brady Cannon evaluates the week four contest plays. Adam Burke breaks down situational spots that have max value. These stories and more in this week's edition of Point Spread Weekly, it's easy to find. Just go to vston.com slash subscribe. Right now, free trial. vston.com slash subscribe. Okay, thank you to Omal Shaw for joining us. Uh, here comes Josh Applebaum. Market Insights, of course, is the podcast betting across America. You can find the podcast, vston.com slash podcast. Michael Lombardi, Patrick Maher, Josh Applebaum. Uh, Josh, hi. Good morning. Hope you're doing well. Let's go ahead and start with, now, Amal's going to be on Cincinnati tonight, Survivor. We got a point spread to deal with here, and it looks like it's seven and a half and a total of 46. Yes? It is. Patrick, Michael, great to be with you. Happy Thursday. So this is an interesting game, guys. You know, a couple of things going on here. Number one, uh, just the way these teams are trending. We know the Jags have been god-awful this year. 0-3 straight up, 0-3 ATS. They have failed to win or cover all three games. Lose to Arizona last week, 31-19 as an eight-point dog. Uh, they're getting outscored 30-17 to on average. Now, on the flip side, Bengals, they've been a bit of a surprise here. 2-1, and 2-1 ATS. They they go into Pittsburgh uh, with that sharp move, 3.5 to 2.5. They beat the Steelers 24-20 there. Uh, they're actually outscoring their opponents 23-18. to So, uh, guys, what we've seen is, number one, big public play to Cincinnati. I think you're going to see this moving forward this year. Just the public is just going to bet against the Jags, bet against the Jets, how bad they've they've been thus far at one point you can say hey that's going to create value to bet on them but we're going to see how this develops uh cincinnati guys getting three out of four bets the public play here but i think there was some respected money like amal was talking about you know they opened minus six and a half at some shops they're up to seven and a half now for me guys you know i love to put on the hazmat suit michael but i may surprise you i'm not doing it with the jags here i I, i'm following your your school of thought of eliminating games where you don't have a clear edge on the one hand you say jags are really contrarian you're getting an inflated line in a prime time game on the flip side, you know, the Bengals have had some some movement in their favor. We know Sharps move numbers. So I, I don't have a play on the spread here, guys. But Michael, I want to throw you some random stuff at you. Number one, 
Uh, survivor's an opportunity. I think everyone's going to play the Buffalo Bills here, 16.5-point favorite at, ho- at home against Houston. But these Thursday night games tend to do very well with these home favorites. They're around 57% ATS on Thursday night uh, over the last decade or so. Since he also in a great teaser spot, 7.5 down to 1.5. You go through the 7, you go through the 3. Maybe you pair them with the Saints this weekend, 7.5 to 1.5 against the G-Men. Uh, but, Michael, also, um, you know, you're looking at some props tonight. Let me throw these at you. Uh, we look at uh, the, the – I think this is the edge – the Bengals offensive players against the defense against the defense of the Jags. They're giving up 30 points a game. Uh, they're fifth worst giving up passing yards a game, 302 and a half. So Burrow over 248 and a half passing yards. Chase and Boyd, Chase over 71 and a half, Boyd over 60 and a half. And Michael, what do you think about the total? I'm kind of leaning over here, 45 and a half, up to around 46. Primetime totals are eight and one. Maybe we get a, a you know a garbage Jags touchdown late, but they're giving up 30 a game. So, Michael, what do you think about this one? And are you surprised I'm not putting on the hazmat with the Jags? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm proud of you. I mean, look, uh, I think the the fact that they're 0-3 against the spread and they haven't really been close in any of those games might lead you to think that the, this is more than just Coke machines, you know? And so, uh, you know, I, I think this is going to be a hard game for Lawrence because the Bengals are better on defense as much as I make fun of Zach Taylor and as him as a head coach, and I do, and I, he deserves it. But Lou Armaro is a really good offense defense coordinator. He's done a nice job with their defense. They're hard to run the ball on. I don't know if Jacksonville's going to score a lot of points on them. I really don't. You know, I think Jacksonville will struggle to move the football. They, they're not going to be able to run it. And if Cincinnati can play from in front and Cincinnati can protect their passer, which is always going to be a challenge, this this Jacksonville defense, I don't think, is going to be able to cover these skill players of Cincinnati. So I like the Bengals. I could see somebody taking them in Survivor. It's risky. It's always risky. But, you know, if you don't take them, you got another Jacksonville opponent you can take down the road. Trust me. You know, you can always take another Jacksonville opponent down the road. They're going to be there's You can farm their land quite often this year. <laughs> you know, the one thing in one thing in Survivor, you can farm the land of the Jets. You can farm the land of the Lions. You can farm the land of the Jaguars. That might give you a farm enough land to get into the last weekend of the season. I will say this, Michael. This probably, for the first time in years, will be the best energy for a Bengals game at home in a long time, just because it's prime yeah. time and they come into this with a winning record. I think there's going to be some juice in the building there. Yeah, there will be. I mean, there'll be some excitement and, and we'll be able to see some of their skill players, you know, and they've got skill, Tyler Boyd, Chase, you know, they can do some things, you know, with their offense and then defensively, which is, you know, the, their offense steals the headlines, but I mean, they could easily be three and oh, I mean, that win against Minnesota was a really good win, especially considering when you look at what they were able to do in that game and you watched them and, you know, and you saw that, you know, we know Minnesota's explosive on offense. Now, you know, we know Dalvin cook really wasn't down and you know, all those things. And that game could have slid the other way, but when you're a good team, sometimes those games go the other way. You know, sometimes those games go the other way. And I think just looking at them defensively, Patrick, I mean, they have been really good on third down. This is where they've been good. Even against the, even against the Vikings, they allowed six for 16 on third down. I mean, they have been very good on that was their best third down game this year. And so I, I think that, you know, when they do that, it'll be hard for Lawrence to play like that. It'll be really challenging. And to your point, Josh, and I want to ask Michael about the total as well. You're looking, leaning over that 45 and a half, 46. One, the Bengals offense should be able to have its way against this Jags defense. What we do like about the Jags, I was looking earlier today about pace. You know, as far as the Jags, they're first in pace of play. So they, they, get, they run a ton of plays. Now, whether or not they're effective, but what you like to see if you're betting an over is more plays. And that's certainly something the Jags do. 
I think it's a great point, Patrick. And also, can you get some extra points? Can you get a you know punt return touchdown? We saw that what was it, 110 yard uh, you know return there on the on the, yeah, on the kick can. last week. So yeah, can you get some of those random points? But I think to me, number one, this eight and one trend of the over prime time. I think there will be some regression here. But what's interesting, some stats I've looked at, guys. When the total is in the lower end, 45 or less, the unders have really, really come through. Unders are 28 and 20 on the season this year, but it's 45 or less. The under is almost 60%. When you get to that 45 to 50 range, that's kind of the sweet spot for some of these overs. The really high total overs that are like 50 or more, 53 or more, it's kind of break even. But this is kind of the sweet spot for these totals. And Michael, I, I get what you're saying. You know, this defense with the Bengals here has been pretty good. But uh, will, can Joe Burrow and Chase feast on this D? You know, that's to me why if I'm not going to play the spread, here's the thing, guys, rookie quarterbacks, one in 10 ATS. Are you going to, you know, like even me and, I, and I'll, I'll play the worst teams. You guys know this by now. But one in 10 ATS rookie quarterbacks on the road. Uh, again, to me, the Jags, if you if you bet the Jags and you lose, you can only kick yourself. To me, it's a no bet. Maybe you tease the the Bengals. Maybe you play Survivor. Maybe you play these props. I do like the, you know, the chase in particular prop over 71 and a half receiving yards. Uh, but I'm leaning over here, guys. I think maybe we get some points in this one. Well, I think the only problem with leaning over here, Josh, is you're counting on Jacksonville to score. You know, and against the Bears, the Bears average 3.1 average game per pass play. Against the Pittsburgh Steelers, they averaged four. Steelers averaged 4.8 yards per pass play. How is Jacksonville going to score a lot of points? I think that's the question you've got to really. But when you bet that over, you got to put numbers down, you know. And with the over at 46, you're sitting there saying, is it a 24-23 game? You know, you think they could. Or is it going to be a 30-30-20 game? You know, is that what we're thinking of? Because the Bengals are going to need help with points. I mean, the Bengals aren't exactly. You know, I know that that people think they scored 27, 17, and 24. That's what they've scored. And so, you know, 27, 24, that was a 51 game in the first game. Okay. Now, Minnesota is way better than Jacksonville, and that was a 51-point game. This is 46. I think it's risky. Okay. Well done. The Yeah, that defense gave up 24 to a Vikings offense that can auto score. Um, mm. good, po- good point, Michael. The game tonight. Josh, uh, Virginia, Miami. Looks like it's 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 jumping up in Miami's way. We just had a mall. He put a small wager on the U. Three and a half opener. Where are you at right now, Miami, uh, hosting Virginia tonight in ACC play? Yeah, so believe it or not, I think maybe you can buy low on Virginia in this spot, guys. The lines move quite a bit to Miami, which I'll give to a mall. You know, a lot of these books were like minus three and a half, minus four and a half. It's up to five and a half. Now, the weird thing to me, guys, is, you know, both these teams, two and two, it's an ACC clash automatically that divisional dog angle conference road dog angle. You got some matches there with Virginia, but they're coming off two bad losses. Their last two times out, they get rolled by UNC 59, 39. They lose to wake 37, 17. You know, remember the U they stumbled there against Michigan state a couple Saturdays ago, come back against what was it? Central Connecticut win 69, nothing. What I was looking at here guys uh, is with the U no Derek King. It looks like tonight. It, he's probably going to be out. You're going to get some of these second stringers, which is kind of weird to me that this line keeps going to Miami. Uh, I think you're buying law in Virginia. Also, Michael Brennan Armstrong, this quarterback for Virginia, he's one of the top passers in the country, 430 yards per game. So what do you think? Can Virginia keep this close? Or are you with them all laying the points here with the U Michael? I, I, you know, I think the one thing I've learned through college football after last week's disastrous prediction weekend is I'm not following the money or going with the line movement. I think it's been all wrong this year. I really do. I think it's been all wrong. And I, and I think that I, I would lay, I would stick with Miami playing at home. This is a big game. I think Virginia's defense is suspect. And good point by Josh. If you're thinking about laying it with Miami, keep a close eye on Derek King, total difference maker. You know, Van Dyke and Garcia played well against central Connecticut state. This is, 
Although Virginia's defense may be similar to <laughs> Central Connecticut State's, it's still the, still an ACC school. So keep an eye on Derek oh, King. And by the way, can I throw one thing at you guys? Yes, go ahead. Has anyone checked? Has anyone checked on Will Hill? Connecticut legalized sports betting today. Is he at a bar somewhere at Mohegan Sun or Foxwoods? They, is Will Hill okay? He just did a Jaeger. He just did a Jaeger bomb as you were talking about it. I think that's. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Josh. Talk to you soon. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it, guys. Thanks. Okay, when we come back, those rookie quarterbacks, one in ten ATS. Alex Smith had something interesting to say that Santos just passed to me. I want to pass that along to Michael and get his thoughts here on the Lombardi. MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. 
In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. to the Lombardi line on v featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, so tonight, King of Sportsbooks, BetMGM wants to give you $200 in free bets. If you're a new user over at BetMGM, get over there, sign up, use the bonus code v 200 B-S-I-N 200. You bet a 10 to win 200 on whether or not Jacksonville or Cincinnati scores a touchdown tonight. So again, v 200, BetMGM new users, BetMGM.com or download the BetMGM app right now. If you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-GAMBLER. As we welcome you back, we just, Michael, we were just talking about the, the if you bet against the rookies this year, ATS-wise, you, you've done pretty well. They're 1-10 in 10 ATS, the rookie quarterbacks. Now, Matt and I were just discussing this because I'll read you the quote. Remember in 2008, it was Flacco and Ryan, and they both made the postseason as rookies, and it kind of... You know, I remember when Steve McNair was drafted, there wasn't even a question if he was going to start that first year. I think it was Chris Chandler maybe at the time. Um, But so the philosophy has changed a little bit, but here's um, Alex Smith talking about it. It's interesting. Uh, He said, I really felt like it set me back starting early. My first start, it was a disaster. I had no business being out there. And he adds, Alex Smith does, that he saw benefits that Kaepernick and Mahomes got from sitting. We can talk about the rookie quarterbacks, but what's your overall philosophy on what um, Alex Smith is talking about here as far as starting or sitting early? Well, I think it all depends on where the team is, right? I mean, if you're a team competing and and you feel like you have a really good foundation offensively that you need to build on, that the reps that he's going to get as a rookie are going to benefit you in year three of the program. And so you want to use those reps. If you're going to change coordinators after a year, is he really he's getting reps that he's never going to use again because somebody else is going to call different plays? I think it's all situational based, right? I mean, Ben Roethlisberger came in off the bench when Tommy Maddox got hurt and he led his team to the playoffs. You know, so it all I think it's so situational. But what what you'll find most of the time with young quarterbacks that have success is a defense that's good, mm. the defense that allow you to play from in front that won't get too far behind in a game that make you act desperate. And I think that's not what Jacksonville has. That's not what, you know, the Jets have, you know, and the Jets make too many mistakes. Jets offense is really bad. Design, production, it's really bad. You know, I think what you see with Mac Jones is you see a team that they haven't been as good as they need to be because they haven't really run the ball as well. They need to get better. Trent Brown may be back this week. He needs to be there. But there's a place for it. I think there's some of these quarterbacks, especially when we look back, we we compare quarterbacks to different era. These RPO guys are way different than the Steve McNair and the run and shoot guys. Way different. These RPO guys, they hold the ball, they're reading a linebacker, and they throw it 
and they wait to see the receiver enter the voided area and they throw it. There's not a lot of anticipation. You see them throw nine routes on the outside because they know they're throwing the nine. There's not a lot of reading the coverage. It's reading the linebacker. And that takes time to teach them how to read coverage, split safety. Here's where we want to go with the ball. Middle of the field close. Here's where we want to go with the ball. Middle of the field open. Here's where we want to go with the ball. Zero. We get zero pressure. We got to throw this play. You know, it's hard. It's it's a hard position to play. And you, some guys will move quicker through it. Fields is not ready. He's not ready. As much as it's Nagy's fault, Fields isn't ready either. Now, part of that is because Nagy hasn't gotten him ready, but also he's not ready. They have no they have no offensive line. They can't really run the ball. They can't they can't utilize Fields' skill as a runner under center. They immediately go to Fields in the RPO. That's what fan put him in the RPO. No. Put him under center. Get a tight end that can block. Get two backs in the backfield. Let's run the ball. Let's run naked some boots and give him some easy throws. Let us use his feet as a decoy. RPO stuff isn't working. So I think it's situational. Now, you're a person, culture, philosophy, roster building. Let me ask you, may I ask the philosophy with Joe Douglas in Jersey with the Jets? Mike White is the backup. What, what, what is the point of not having at least some experience behind? If it's going to go bad, it could go really bad with Zach Wilson here. Look, jo- Joe Douglas has got a reputation for being an incredibly gifted evaluator. There's difference between evaluating and building a team. You know, like how he can't have a veteran quarterback in that room to help Zach Wilson, I don't know. You know, unfortunately, Greg Knapp died in a tragic car, in a bicycle accident, but hit by a car. They bring Matt Cavanaugh back in. You know, I mean, there's nobody in that room to help the young quarterback. You want to teach him the good habits. Mike White's trying to learn his habits. Yeah. I think this whole Jet team, by design, has been poorly built by Douglas. I think Douglas made no players. I mean, his first draft, if you go back and look at it, it's been not very good. Then he signs Corey Davis, even Baldy, who's a very close friend of Douglas's. All the, you know, admits that, Joe, that that Corey Davis isn't a number one receiver, and they paid him like one. You know, so they, to me, this is a Jet team that really hasn't been built with an eye of team building. It's been built with an eye of a guy who's a college scouting director just drafting players. Corey Davis signing felt desperate at the time. That it was, was what... you knew he wasn't a number one. I mean, look, they drafted Corey Davis, and since in, in Tennessee, they spent the fifth pick overall in the draft, and I was ripping it ever since they picked him. And then you turn around and give him a huge contract? You know, l- l- go through his drafts. You know, be honest with yourself. I mean, th- they don't even put Denzel Mims on the team. Like, and, he, and I thought he was a good player. Tevin Coleman's the starting running back. That's the you know, origination of John Oates, in by the, the way, fourth. on the show. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they don't know who they are. They don't even have a tight end on the team that you would say, oh, my gosh. Like, they have nothing that you would say is a strength. I mean, their corner, you can't even tell me who their corners are. It's now. I, I, I don't see it. You know, it's just, again, it's a reputational thing. As far as a Now, court- it's starting to, it's starting to get out a little bit where his drafts and his first year there isn't exactly, you know, he comes in there and, you know, he comes in there and he drafts the kid in the first round, in the fourth round. I think, uh, who was it? The quarterback from uh, not Central Florida, Florida Atlantic. He's not even on the roster anymore. Right. The actual, so Wilson, and it's interesting is with Douglas, if you take a look at Wilson and what to expect, 
David Carr is always the example of a guy that got beat up and had his, you know, I guess, um, confidence ruined. Are you concerned with Wilson? Because he's getting hit a lot, too. He is. I mean, I, I, th- I am concerned. I mean, you're concerned anytime a quarterback gets crap beat out of him. It's too much. You know, it's way too much. You've, you've got to be able to, you got to help them a little bit, you know? And so I, I think it's important that they protect them. But I think, look, I think there's a, I think there's player problems. I think there's scheme problems at, at the Jets. And I think it's really clear. It's really clear, you know, and, and, and they haven't really been able to address it. They don't have anything they could hang their hat on, right? Here's one. I just did this. I just Googled this. This is the best. This is what I love the most. Pro football focus after the 2020 draft just gave the Jets an A. Uh, Game an A. They'd like a redo on that score, I'm guessing, on that grade. Right, so, you know, they got Beckton in the first round. He's hurt. They got Mins in the second round. They got Aston Davis in the third. They got they got uh, Morgan, the quarterback, in the fourth. I mean, Cameron Clark, the offensive lineman. Perrine, I mean, tell me where this is a good draft. They got oh, A's. bad. They got A's. I mean, Becton, okay. By the authority, by the authority vested in the in all of evaluation, pro football focus. No respect. Bow down. The, right, please. The, so, but what you just said it stood out to me. You got a problem with player selection. You got a problem with roster construct. And then you got a problem schematically. That's a double whammy. And that's what they're looking Hard. at right now. Yeah, like, I mean, I couldn't even get him. I, I mean, I couldn't even get him to, to return my text on Don Martindale. You know, like I, I said, you should talk to Don Martindale. I, I was doing as a favorite of the Jets. And then he hires Salai, who, you know, was on every interview. And if the Jets don't hire him, he'd still be the defense coordinator of the 49ers. He didn't have any other offers. Yes. Yeah, Salai was in an interview with Detroit for like two minutes. They called an Uber. They said, are you kidding? Yeah, no, I know. that's right. They did. <laughs> they couldn't wait to get him out of there. Um you're right, though. And that was his. That was the job he wanted. That was his hometown job. That was job, the right? Dearborn, Michigan. Shout the Dearborn. Yeah, everybody, now, you, want, everybody you, wants their hometown job. Of course. And you, you, you've said it. It's interesting because it's almost like he is Douglas sailing on this reputation as a great evaluator. Can't touch team. it. You can't. Uh, you well, can't, it comes from the DaCosta School of Scouting. Any of those guys from the DaCosta School of Scouting, they're 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 pristine. They're perfect. But they but his teams have gotten worse roster wise with his additions and subtractions and drafts. This is year no three. Doubt. So no doubt. Take it for what no it doubt. is. Take it. If you for want to be is. honest with it, if you want to be really honest, you know, but if you don't want to be, I mean, Chris Felica, he knows he's a jet fan. He knows. And this, is he a, knows our team's gotten worse. It's a league where you can flip it really quick with a good off season and a great draft. And that hasn't, if happened. you know what you're doing and That's you right. build it the right way, no, you if it. you can build it through the D right. Yep. No, you nailed it. All right, 30 seconds. Are you going to lay it? Seven and a half tonight no. with Cincinnati. No, no, no. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to have my man, Bill Berman, and we're going to sit on the couch. We're going to talk about life in general, and we're just going to enjoy the good game. And I'm going to watch Zach Taylor just woe me with his brilliance. Uh, just for those. Join me, please, Patrick. Uh, those please wondering, I didn't get a Bill Berman best bet on this game, so he's going to be just be enjoying it with a glass of wine as well, apparently. Yeah, yeah, just enjoy it and take it take it all in. Enjoy. It's October tomorrow. Happy birthday, Matthew. Today's my son Matthew's Happy 30, birthday, Matthew. Birthday. Keep Happy walking through those raindrops. Happy Bill. Yeah, there you go. Bill Berman. Mike, I'll see you tomorrow. Odds on coming up Alrighty. next here on VSIN. 
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.